Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Your Liberty podcast, where we look at liberty, what it is, why you should care about it, and how to defend it. Today, we've got a little bit of a different episode. I had the opportunity to go elk hunting with a buddy of mine, Nathan, and he had listened to a podcast, and we uh, went ahead and just had a conversation, and we recorded it, kind of riffing off of the Fear of Man episode, last uh, the last episode that I had recorded previous to this conversation. And I'm not sure what order I'm going to get these released in, but I wanted to go ahead and give a little intro bumper and explain that the audio, I just had the one mic in the car and I uh, couldn't get it set up with two mics. So I had the one mic and I went back over the audio and I did the best I could. Unfortunately, I got the background noise taken care of all right. Uh, but the problem is apparently the cord on my microphone makes a fantastic antenna for the interference caused by the uh, engine firing as you can hear a high pitch somewhere around 4500 hertz uh, give or take a few hundred hertz that uh, it's kind of annoying so I don't fault you guys if you start listening to this and you're like I can't take it uh, but I thought I we went to the trouble to record it. I'll go ahead and post what I got. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. It's definitely a different style of podcast than I've done. The quality of audio is lower. I apologize for that. But I uh, wanted to get something out. And uh, we've often thought, man, we need to record our talk. So <laughs> we finally did it. So uh, hopefully it's beneficial to you. Hopefully there's some more thoughts and more connections on how fear of man and fear of the Lord ties into uh, your personal uh, liberty. Uh, I'm not going to do a, an outro ending bo bumper. I'm just going to uh, let the end of the conversation be the outro. And other than that, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Enjoy. All right, so here we are. I've got my good friend Nate in the car with me, and we're driving out to go elk hunting. And we thought we'd take the opportunity to record our uh, conversation kind of riffing off the fear fear of man episode from the last time and uh, Nate, Nate has some thoughts to start us off so yeah appreciate it Andrew happy to be able to talk with you today as we're cruising down uh, Kansas Highway headed to Colorado oh, very Mountains. exciting very exciting um, so I listened to uh, that episode, that podcast you put out about the fear of man shortly after it came out. And then we had uh, discussed about possibly talking about it on our trip out to uh, the mountains. And uh, so I had, a, I had the opportunity to listen to it again. And I'm glad I did because there were some things that it made me think about, sort of reassess uh as far as my opinions, what I thought about uh, fear in general, I, a long time ago, uh, I was considering as a, you know, some people might say I'm a young man now, I'm, th I'm 37, um, but maybe in my early to mid 20s, I was considering what is it that, you know, what are the contributing factors that seem to to break us down as individuals, specifically as, as Christian men. And, and even how does that carry over into the, the deterioration of society? 
And one of the things that I came up with just in meditation, you know, just, just contemplating it, was one of the catalysts for uh, the, the destruction of the self and also of society is an overemphasis in comfort, like in desiring comfort and in, in really putting comfort up as some kind of idol. And in considering this, I thought about, well, what really is comfort? Well, and I could be totally off, but this is just what I was considering as a, as a young man. Comfort essentially is the absence of fear, or I'm sorry, not the absence of fear, but the absence of pain, rather, and the absence of discomfort. Uh -huh. That essentially is uh, comfort, yeah. so, so to speak, right? You want to be comfortable. And so I started thinking about fear. Well, what's fear? And what I came up with was my, my short, and I enjoyed your uh, description of fear, but my, what I came up with is fear is mental discomfort. And so people in the pursuit of being comfortable, they, they try to shy away from mental discomfort. I, I'll use the example you used in your prior podcast with the, the masking during all the COVID restrictions. So the fear, you, you weren't afraid when you wore the mask in the store, if you had some kind of, uh, if you didn't, if you didn't think they did a whole lot and you, you really, it was, if we want to be honest against your conscience to wear them in let's say a store, you weren't afraid if you wore them, you were, you felt like your, your conscience was, uh, and uh, felt violated, right? But yeah. you weren't afraid, right? But but the fear of of having someone think that, or as I thought back then, the mental discomfort of feeling people are looking at you and judging you compelled you to change what you would have normally done based on your conscience, and so it was really your desire for comfort or not to be uncomfortable right. that that pushed you to yield to fear. But after listening to your podcast, you said something I thought that was important, that fear is really rooted in our emotions, which is absolutely true. And I think we often find that spiritual, like this, when we talk about spiritual things, sometimes the emotions bleed over into that, especially when we talk about, um, you know, it's it, spirituality that's not of the Lord, okay? Like, if you look at the New Age movement, or if you look at any of these other movements Absolutely. that portray themselves to have some kind of spiritual truth, there's also a, a tremendous amount of uh, emotional significance. Yeah. And so, I would re... I'd go back, and I would say it's not... Fear isn't mental discomfort. It's really, I think, fundamentally uh, spiritual discomfort. And that's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, because what is when we talk about the fear of the Lord, really what we're talking about is allowing our conscience, what the law of God written on our hearts yes. to inform our decision or inform our, our desire to be in relationship with God, which, of course, because of the fear of God, we realize because of that discomfort in our very being the core, our yeah. core, our spirit, yeah. which informs the, the the health of our soul. We realize 
we can't make it on our own. We can't have a relationship with God on our own. And as, as you said correctly in, in your, your former podcast, we need a mediator. And that mediator, of course, is the man, God, Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah, it was an interesting journey for me as I was as I was recording that podcast. Because I started out saying this podcast is about fear of man. And and there's like I'd like to go back and hit that, but as I uh, started recording it and I kinda had a rough somewhat of an outline, I didn't have much of an outline. It really all does, I think, tie back into that first mention of fear in the Bible where you see it's a spiritual problem. It this it's a the seed of the problem is, is a spiritual problem, like so many things. Absolutely, and I believe it's yielding when when <laughs> something else I thought about, and I would love to do more study on it, is that okay, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? That's what that's what the law is supposed to do, right? In in when when uh, we look through the New Testament, and you know, the law was sort of the uh, the teacher to say, hey, look, you, you you can't make it on your own. Just look at the law. Right. If if you need something sort of uh, academic to confirm that discomfort in your spirit that already exists, here's the law. It's right here. And yes, you have fallen short. Your righteousness is as filthy rags and you need a Messiah. Well, for, for the Jewish people, but for all of us, we need someone to save us. Yes. We need... Yes. It's written on your heart. It's written on your you heart. You are to be in relationship with your Creator. I think that that is the basic. There are the two make the, the the two pieces. The puzzle pieces go together. Your soul is meant to be in communion with your Creator, and that's that's what people are searching for. And, and that's the only spiritual discomfort that is healthy, because that is it's it's like when your body when when I said before okay that. You know, discomfort, we're really generally talking about pain. Almost always we're talking about some kind of pain. We we dress it up differently with our vernacular, but ultimately we're talking about pain. I'm cold. Well, really, if you're so cold that it's just, it's uncomfortable, you're in pain, right? Yeah. You're, it, we're talking about some level of pain. And so when your body is in pain, generally it's telling you something's wrong. Something's wrong, and that kind of pain is good because it tells you, "Hey, something's off," True. and it you for your health, for your very physical well-being, you need to address it. True. And so that that spiritual pain, when it when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, it tells us something's wrong, so that we can become spiritually healthy. Yeah, so we can come to the Lord. It's the beginning. It's the beginning wisdom. of wisdom. It doesn't that mean stuff. that necessarily we're going. We should live with a respect and a reverence from the Lord, always, right? But it doesn't mean that we live in this perpetual, you know, spiritual discomfort, fear, right? The rest no. of our our walk with the right. Lord, Once but it brings us to God. You come to God on His terms. In the way that he is made, because he loves us, you come to him, and and you're then, like I said in the podcast, able to come to him, like Psalm 103, as a, as the Father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. 
it's you come to God on His terms, and all the, all of the, uh, the fear, like we we're talking about, courage, is really ennobled by, I, I don't know, because some obviously there's been courageous people who I don't think were believers, but that as a virtue, being good, being courageous, is is uh, the image of God. It's a characteristic of God, I'd say. And, and it's a lot made possible by having that peace with God. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, to your point, you don't know if, you know, there's a lot of people, obviously, that we would call courageous that we know weren't believers. But there's a difference between, um, you know, being courageous and righteous uh, courage, or I, I think I said courage. There's a difference between just being courageous, having courage, and righteous courage. And so, and it has to do with who your faith's in. There's people who are courageous because they have an immense amount of confidence, faith in themselves. And it might work for them for their entire lives. They might end up you know, growing old and being highly successful in the world standards. But you know what? At the end of their life, if they've never made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, that confidence, that kind of courage will only take them so far because that faith in themselves, while it might promote them in this world, it will do nothing for them in the next. But righteous courage not only equips us for this life, but prepares us and allows us to to live victoriously in the next. I yes. believe that's the difference. Which, which is more real than this life. Like we're talking about eternity. We're talking about things that exist now that our, our eyes just aren't built to see. But they're here. And as soon as you close your eyes in death on this life, you, you then, to be absent with the body is to be present with Christ. You are then slipped into eternity. And the spiritual reality that already exists you'll be able, will be more tangible at that point. Absolutely. That world created this world. Yeah. That which, it, like the physical world which we see, I mean, Scripture tells us, was made by the unseen John 1. Right. So, but how that, I believe, comes back to your, your sort of original, I, I think you said thesis in the last podcast, uh, about the fear of man is, so... In order, if we're going to describe fear, as, as I already have, being a spiritual discomfort, a spiritual pain, if you will. So, people deal with pain, obviously, in very different ways when we're talking about physical pain. Some people, let's say they have a joint pain or what, whatever it may be, they look for a holistic approach, right? That's getting big. Now you're people wanting to take a holistic approach to health. And so what I believe the holistic approach is, based on my understanding of it, it's a whole body approach. You're looking to say, okay, you have that pain in whatever part of the body is, so let's figure out how, what's wrong with the body. Let's figure out what that pain's telling us so we can address it. But then there's also the approach, the, uh, let's say the more pharmaceutical approach. Yeah, band-aid it. Let's, let's, let's take some painkillers. Yeah. And so we don't have to feel the pain anymore. 
And right then, that brings us all the way back to the fear of man. Because really, the fear of man is the worship of man. The fear of man is is propping up man as an idol. See, back, right. back when, people would literally, and still do in many parts of the world, would literally worship an idol. Yeah. So, that the worship of that idol, the, uh, the care of that idol, and all the the practices and disciplines that were a part of that worship, that was that that was taking that little that was taking the pill, if you will, to sort of subdue that pain. Today we don't need, uh, especially in the West, and I'll I'll pick on uh, American culture because that's what I'm a part of. We don't need some giant temple with a massive idol standing in front of it. We don't need uh, you know some of these ancient wonders of the world we hear about, the, the massive temple of Zeus. We don't, we don't need that. We have massive football stadiums yeah. and, and sports arenas where people can take their hard-earned money and pour it into these, these different uh, franchises and post their memorabilia all over their walls and dress themselves up in the proper attire broadcast it on social media broadcast it on social media we have all these opportunities for and and I'm picking on the sports teams but but let me pick on what we're being involved in right now in the wrong context there are people who have dedicated their lives and time not to necessarily make a career of, of it but just because they're so fond of it of of the sporting world, hunting and fishing and all these various different things. We can make anything yeah. an idol. Right. Because the point of the idol is to allow us to worship, to be involved in something enough to numb the pain if we're not believers in Christ, or even if we are believers in Christ, but our relationship with the Lord is waning. That we're not pursuing our relationship with the Lord as the scripture clearly spells out we should. It's finding things. Those idols are finding things. That yeah. idolatry is finding things to numb that nagging sense deep within our souls that there's something more and the way you're going is not the right way. Right. And and the fear of man that you, you said, uh, the fear of man is... Idolatry, right? Yes. And that goes back to that quote by that random Channing guy that I had in the, the podcast where I call that man free, blah, yada, 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 that feels himself accountable to a higher uh, counsel, a higher judgment. I can't remember the exact word that he said. But that's exactly what it is. If you're If you're living for the here and now, if you're living for your tribe, whatever, you're... You're a slave. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in that, as you said, that tribe, your whatever it is, you know, uh, your, your, could even be your political party or your whatever it is, your yeah. sports team, going back to the sports team or, or what uh, societal niche that you feel. I mean, you, you see people that, that even take their uh, careers and, and some of these are not, we're not talking about necessarily CEOs, people that are even in the trades. Some people you see that take it to that level, the, the, the 
pride and how that becomes the all-encompassing, defining element of their life, they take it to a level of idolatry. And the reason they do that is because we are made to worship as human beings. And if you're not worshiping something, then you're going to worship you're gonna something, worship something right? Yeah, right? You're worship if something. you're not worshiping God, you're going to worship something. Sure. You're gonna be, something is going to That's be your master, even if it is <laughs> yourself, which to me is... You know, that, that's, that's the silliest, that's silliest, silliest thing to worship. But yet I think that's become one of the fastest growing cults within our society. Hedonism. Yes. Yeah. So it's, but because we're going to fear something, right? Right. Yeah. And, And, and so in the, in the, uh, again, like I said, the podcast ultimately we're going to work out that all freedom is rooted in Christ. So I think we've made that fairly clear on the kind of like the broad spectrum of how freedom comes from Christ. But, you know, it should be fairly obvious spiritually, but I hope the listeners are able to see Hopefully between our ramblings and the podcast, we've made a connection from the spiritual world to the uh, civic world to your your daily life to how you how you live your life what you know your job all that hopefully there's a connection there uh that is able to be seen i mean it's fairly clear in my mind but i don't know if there's anything you can do to connect to the dots a little better yeah well the and i think i've already quoted this but the fear of man is a snare to your soul yeah, and maybe you quoted in the last podcast, and maybe you quoted this one, but the the fear of man is a snare to your soul, which goes back to the fear of man essentially being idolatry. But it isn't. It isn't the fear of man is in you know I'm afraid that people are going to think differently of me, or I you know I I I have some. It discomforts me that people are going to think weird of me or, or think differently of me um, because of the stand I make. So we all face that. That's not what's a snare to your soul. It's when you give into it. That's idolatry it's, when you give into it. Because the only fear, the only that you should give into is the fear of the Lord. See, when you give into fear, fear in and of itself is just unfortunately part of life. It's, 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 you know, the, the, our spirits, I mean, how often have our spirits been grieved by what's going on in the world around us? Right. But it is how we react to it. And if we allow it to control us, that defines us. And so if the fear of the Lord, we take the fear of the Lord and because of it, we yield to that that calling by the Holy Spirit unto us that leads us right to Christ that defines us. If we yield to the fear of man so that we do or don't do what we feel like men want us to do, then that will define us. And it, and it goes for every other thing. If we're afraid of going up the elevator and we yield to that fear, 
it's we're going to be defined by the guy that always right. go, takes the stairs. Yeah. Okay, and that's true for any fear. Yeah. And and to and that goes back to like what what then should you feel free to do? Well, again, it's not licentiousness to serve yourself. It's not freedom is not licentiousness to no. have license to do whatever you want because then you're back to self-idolatry. It's a license to do the law of the Lord. The I'm not talking about old the old covenant law that came down from Sinai, although I think that has a lot of of the uh, oh trans. I don't know. It's not a theological world, but transcendental law, the natural law, if you want to call it that. The way the fabric that God wrote into the universe of what is good and right. What when I read Psalms, Psalm 119 about the law of the Lord. That's that's what I'm thinking, and that is is what you are free to do. You are free to love justice or to uh, love just justly. Uh, what is it? I'm messing it up. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. You are that's that's what's required of you, and you are free. And of course, as a believer, you you have the Holy Spirit dwelling you and will lead you into all truth. And ultimately, again, as Christians, we are pursuing truth, which means we are pursuing the man, Christ Jesus. He said, I am the truth. And that's kind of a rabbit trail. But uh, ultimately, you're free to do righteousness. You're, and actually, the Bible even talks about, thinking about this, the Bible even talks about how you as a believer, you were predestined before the creation of the world, predestined to do these good works, which those good works, be it whatever they may in each individual's life, they are, it's, it's kind of all what's written into the fabric of the universe. Those are, they're defined by love, right? Yes. Because that is the law. The, the summation of the law, according to Christ, Very good. is the law of love. It's yeah. love the Lord your God with Everything you got, your yeah. heart, your mind, your soul, your everything, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. It's the law of love. And I, I think it was, I might be wrong, but I think it was Lord Acton said, freedom is not the freedom to do what you want, but to do what you ought. And see, the law, the Old Testament law, it was thou shall not. But what Christ brings forth, full circle brings it about is thou you don't have to worry about thou shall not if you're doing what you should yes. do because yeah. the law of love is thou shall yeah. not thou shall not thou shall and yeah. so it's the law of love and perfect love casts out fear fear yeah there we go full circle there we go yeah. amen got to drive for a second folks okay there we go we're 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 out of harm's way not that we were ever in it <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but absolutely that you know Christ was the fulfillment of the law, and so if we want to understand the Old Testament, where we should always start is Christ, and then go back and look at the Old Testament because He fulfilled the law. Yeah. He fulfilled what the prophets spoke of. You know, hundreds and some. You know, I I don't know, maybe a thousand years prior. You know, well, really, you can go all the way back to to Adam and there there was already 
types and shadows of what was to come, and Christ was the fulfillment yeah. of that. Yep. So, uh, can we shift gears for a sec? Was Absolutely. That, that you had you had uh, you said a couple points. Was there another one? You nope. That that's was, good. Okay. That's good. So, thinking about uh, just ways that uh, fear has eroded liberty. Okay. Can, let's just talk about biblical examples, right? So, biblical examples or examples in uh, American history, Western civilization history, whatever, whatever comes to mind. So, or or on the flip side, where it's uh, maybe it's been a, a keeper of liberty somehow in, in some circumstance. So, off the top of my head, I'm thinking about um, at the bottom of Mount Sinai mm-hmm. when uh, Moses was up getting the law, and Aaron's down there, and he said, if I remember right, he said something to basically like, well, these people were going to stone me if I didn't uh, do this. So I, I threw these, I threw all these earrings in and out popped this cow. This, right. And uh, so there's, he, he was afraid of the people. He, he was afraid of the people instead of being afraid of God doing what he ought. So he snared himself. Um, Again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were free to disobey the civil magistrate that was placed there because the civil magistrate had outstepped his bounds. He had outstepped his authority, God-given authority. And uh, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know, we're, our God is able to save us from the fire, but if not, we're not, you know, we're not going to bow down to your image. We're not careful to answer in this, like, it's no big deal. Right. Well, and you have, uh, I mean, to the, if you look at Peter, I mean, that, it appears, I mean, I think pretty much any anybody reading the passage concerning Peter's denial of Christ the three times would argue that fear was uh, the, the contributing factor there. Yeah. That he was afraid and therefore he, he denied Christ. Now, of course, um, he was forgiven and ended up being a, a big pillar in the early church. But uh, yeah, and I then mean, on the on the on the flip side of the cross, after the cross, Peter was was beaten and told, "Don't preach anymore in Jesus' name." And they counted it joy that they could suffer for Christ. Oh, we just entered into Colorado. You know how I know the road's, the road's crap on me. <laughs> All right, so. Sorry for the extra noise, but we're going to continue our conversation. So, uh, well, that yeah, so Peter and Peter even said, whether it's right for us to obey men, men or God or men, you decide. And that's the same Peter <laughs> that had denied Christ. And not, I mean, it appears there wasn't a huge, you know, I mean, we're not talking about a big gap of time there either. Mm-hmm. We're not, he didn't, uh, he didn't have to, you know, repent and then go through some kind of a seminar or, uh, you know, go to a go go to some counselor and and talk to go through so many sessions before he was able to get back out there and God use him and and him use that past experience and I think a lot of experiences uh, between that denial of Christ and when he was standing in front of the Sanhedrin 
um, to go, you know what? I'm no, I'm not yielding to fear. Yeah. It it what is what is right is for me to obey God. Yeah. And, and I think that comes to another point and something, um, you know, we had discussed off mic earlier, which is, so we're, we're talking about the, the fear of man. We're talking about how fear can influence us. But I think also a question then, if we're going to apply this practically, is then, okay, well, how do I not be fearful? How do I be a Peter that just got the snot kicked out of me, who's being told, do not preach in this name, that being the name of Jesus. And I look right into the eyes of the people who just, you know, slap me across the face, who are threatening my life, and who, as far as I'm concerned, might hang me up on the cross like they did my Savior, and say, you know what? What will you judge for yourself? Is it right to obey men or to obey God? How do, how do we get to that point? And I believe, based on just looking at all the different figures in Scripture, based on looking at, at historical figures, and based on people that God has put in my life and at my own life personally, that how we get to that point is by following the Lord step by step, by not yielding to maybe those things that um, are a little bit easier for us to stand up against, to, to not yield to the fear about. And if we do that, we will see the, the, the fruit of of trusting the Lord, standing up to fear, whether that be the fear of man, the, the fear of anything else, and then the next thing that comes up, we're going to be more prepared. Yeah. It's well, it's your faith will build upon, and this is what we were discussing earlier, your faith is going to build upon those things that you stepped out in faith on in the past. Right. But you've got to be in right relationship with your creator, which starts with the fear of the Lord. Absolutely. And, and you've got to be... And, and a big thing that happened between the cross and when Peter had that discussion after he got beat up, well, he had the helper. Christ said, I promise I'll send you the helper. He's going to teach you all things whatsoever. Uh, uh, bring my words to remembrance and all that. Well, Peter had the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You do too. Absolutely. You place your trust in Christ. If you are a believer, you have the same Holy Spirit. And if you're walking, if you're tied, abiding in the vine, walking with, in communion with your Creator, just like Adam did before he, he, uh, before the fall. You know, walking with your Creator, it's the way you're supposed to be, and you're free to do as you ought. Well, and I, I think sometimes we get, you know, it, it's that cold of self, right? And, and I think sometimes we uh, uniquely have this problem in the West. You know, the, the, this idea of the, the self-made man and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, which, I mean, most of which I, <laughs> I'm totally on board with. I mean, this, this, this is the culture I was brought up in. And really, that was part of the foundation of it, um, that that concept. But where we can go wrong with that, and I think so many people have throughout history, is we think we are going to do this great 
thing for God. We're going to do this amazing thing for God. And all God is asking us to do is to do things with him. Yeah. He wants us. There have been so many failed Christian endeavors because people were not being sensitive, as you said, to the Holy Spirit, our helper. We're not. Uh, they, they weren't. They were seeking after these big lofty goals they had created that they're going to to do this amazing thing for God. But they weren't focused on their relationship with God and what God wanted them to do. And and sometimes God wants us. I'll use a, a, a great. I love this biblical example of Philip. The evangelist, you know, one of the seven table waiters that were choos- chosen by the apostles. And he goes down during the persecution that was uh, mostly initiated by, by Saul, later to become Paul. He goes down to Samaria and all these people are getting saved. I mean, this is this is a revival. This is, you know, this guy, this evangelist is coming down and, and whole cities are coming to the Lord. I mean, even the sorcerer was was convicted. And right in the middle of all this, and here, presumably, the, the, the Peter, I believe it was Peter and John, had either just got there or they were on their way. So here, here come the, the guys from, you know, some of the apostles from Jerusalem. They, like I said, they either just got there or they're on their way. And God speaks to Philip. And says, hey, you you, got to get down into the wilderness. Now, what, what, you know, church uh, development school are you going to go to in our day and age? Church growth school are you going to go to? That's going to tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a good idea. They're going to go, no, that's not the Lord. They might not, you know, but. But I'm being a little bit sarcastic. Not out of the textbook, here. anyway. Not out of the textbook. They're going to go. No, you're supposed to have X number of congregants in your first five years, and if you don't, well, you're not you're you're not hearing from the Lord, right? Or you're not really doing what the Lord wants you to do. Because there, are, sometimes people get caught up in looking at faith. Well, they look at faith. They look at their Christianity through a very they're really a secular lens because because men are concerned, very concerned about numbers and, like you said, metrics. God is concerned about that one guy, that one Ethiopian eunuch in the desert who's trying to make sense of a scroll originally penned by the prophet Isaiah I believe it was Isaiah that he was reading, and yeah. uh, and 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 he's directing Philip to leave the giant revival in Samaria to go to speak to this one man because yeah. God sees, first of all, God cares and loves for that one man, and then God sees beyond that one man and sees a nation, yeah, all of Africa, all of Africa, yeah. and that man, and you can look back and actually there were massive Christian communities and kingdoms within North Africa that can be traced back to that Ethiopian. I believe he was a treasurer for for Queen Candace. All the way up until basically 
Islam about wiped them out several hundred years ago. But for we're talking about well over a thousand years. I'm going to get canceled for saying that. <laughs> well, well over a thousand years, these massive communities of Christians existed. You know, believers. <laughs> we're going to see believers in heaven. Thousands, tens of thousands, maybe more, of believers in heaven that were a result of that encounter. Yeah. But Philip was sensitive to the the voice of God. We I, I don't remember if an angel spoke to him, to him or it just says God spoke to him. We don't know if he heard an audible voice. We don't know if it was just the prodding of the I Holy Spirit. I thought he Spirit. was transported, wasn't he? He was trans. He was translated after he baptized the eunuch. Oh, okay. the eunuch came okay. out of the water. The scripture says, and he basically he looked around, and Philip was gone, and Philip was found in another city. Okay, all right. And then we find that he stayed in that city because Paul visits that city later on in his ministry, and uh, Philip's still there. Okay, but Philip was yielded to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So. The, the key is to, as you said, pursue that relationship with the Lord, be in right standing with God. What does God desire? He desires obedience more than sacrifice. Sometimes yeah. we want to sacrifice. We're going to do this great thing for God. And all he wants us to do is obey him in little stuff. But when we obey him in those small things that we think in our, our fleshly, you know, carnal eyes, is insignificant and sometimes maybe we can even think are below us but it's obedience to the law of love it's obedience to the law of love which is in total contrast to the fear of man yeah absolutely absolutely so uh unless you got any more thoughts before we wrap this up i i just wanted briefly as i was kind of sitting here as we're talking i was thinking so certainly Fear of man is an enemy of liberty, okay? Broadly, when the populace is not rooted in Christ, I think, and they are allowing themselves to be snared by a fear of man. Yes, enemy of liberty. But there is a situation throughout history, and especially, well, also in the in a democratic republic such as we live in, where the fear of man is uh, at least kind of like a collateral friend of, of liberty, just because it's the way the system is. So, uh, obviously, the political system works. Demo- demo- uh, Democratic Republic works, right? Because politicians want to hold their office, whether they're supposed to, whether that's supposed to be their motivator or not. If you want a politician to do something, you threaten him with your vote, and that's how you get things done. Unfortunately, that's all there is. Well, it's not all there is, but it's, eh largely what works. And so that's, I mean, it's its a fear of man that's probably unrighteous from their, on their end, but we can use it as a, uh, I don't know, a tactic. <laughs> and, and it's not just in the Democratic Republic. I listened to uh, uh, Machiavelli's, uh, what's that? Uh, the Prince. And all through there, I mean, people take from the prince, you know, his his iron-fisted ways. You know, that's what they generally te- take from it. But if you if you pay attention in it, it it actually is 
it actually gives a lot of credence to the power of the people. Like, it actually, it's saying a ruler has to, a prince has to be very tactful and strategic in what he does. Otherwise, he's going to lose power because the people have the power. It, if you, it's kind of in between the lines, I think, but it's implicit in the writing of, of uh, Machiavelli there. And and it's that way throughout, throughout everything. A king can only raise his taxes so far before they're going to be there's going to be a revolt. And <clears throat> today, you know, we've got a representative in the the speaker of the House of Representatives is well he's a he's a i i don't i mean allegedly he's a he's a crook i don't know i don't like the guy anyway there's been several uh great bills that have come through our missouri house of representatives that have gotten huge grassroots support for for years now i remember in 2021 and 2022 there was a health bill in 2021 and a a uh uh bill dealing with IP reform, uh, ballot initiative, petition reform this last year, along with some school choice stuff. It was all set to go through, and he just buried it. He just, he would not give it floor time, because in Missouri, the rules are set up to where the House Speaker has 100% say-so on what hits the floor for debate. So these bills were all ready for perfection. They, they They were perfected. They just had to be heard, and and voted on and they would have been sent to the Senate and he let him die. And he did that in 2021. I think he did that in 2020. And then he did that this last year. And I, for one, am fed up. Well, there's finally, and this guy has been for his, his thinks he's the next shoe in for Lieutenant governor. Well, that's kind of scary. And, uh, well, it just came out that the, uh, He's double dipping on his expense reports, which I'm sure is fairly common. I mean, I don't, I don't trust politicians really any further I can throw them. But we have this opportunity to leverage the fear of man to call our representatives and say, you need to get this guy out right now. Make him resign. Because unfortunately, he has to resign as Speaker of the House. There's no way to... Uh, the, there's a board. Anyway... If you want more information on that, you can contact me. I can help you now. But now is the time when we need to be calling our representatives to call for his resignation. And again, we're we're uh, we're threatening them with our vote. But it's a useful leverage of the fear of man to advance liberty. To get, in this case, the Speaker of the House of Missouri representatives out of off out of his position. But that goes on up the chain. Yeah, I, I mean, there is, there is that, and I think, you know, really, when we're we're talking about the fear of man, a lot of, I mean, really, we're talking about on an individual level, right? So, we need to, like, this situation you're discussing, the freedom, as we just said uh, a little bit ago, freedom isn't the freedom to do what you want, but it is the freedom to do what you should, what you want. And basically what we're doing as uh, the electorate is demanding that they do exactly that. Not to do what they want, 
not to to uh, in in this situation with the uh, Missouri Speaker of the House, not to just hear what he wants to hear or bring to the floor what he wants to bring to the floor, but bring to the floor what should be brought to the floor, what the people are really pushing for, what the people want to see brought to the floor. That's what he ought to do. And uh, it, I, ironically, what the, the people should be demanding for is for the, uh, really the House, the Missouri House, to act more in the spirit of freedom. Because, again, true freedom is to do what you should be doing, and what they should obviously be doing is representing the people they're supposed to be representing. But they're politicians. They just don't do that. So we, we'll take what we can get. I mean, I'll, if my representative isn't going to represent me, then I'll, I'll, I'll at least take the fact that he's scared to lose his seat. Well, absolutely. And so what you're dealing with is, see, these are people who have already succumbed to the fear of man. Oh, yeah. And so that is why, um, essentially, that's the tool that you use to try to uh, be a catalyst for change. Because they've already, if, they're, if they're making decisions that are not in the best interest of their constituents then it becomes quite clear they're making decisions that are beneficial for somebody. Because why? what other incentive would they have not to make the best decision for their constituents? And so they've already succumbed to the fear of man. Oh, and yeah. So we have to use what they've already con- they've, they've already given into as, because they're, they're, again, if we go back to the fear of man being idolatry, they have, whether they realize it or not, they've set up men and men's wills as an idol. Yeah. It's an idol in their life. And so we have to deal with them at their level. Um, if if uh, you look at how uh, God dealt with the Philistines in certain situations, he dealt with them on their level, on their their uh, idolatry level. They, they, he went, they stole the Ark of the Covenant during a battle, took it back to their temple. So how did he deal with them? He knocked over their, he knocked their idol over multiple times. You know, Dagon was on his face before the ark. He dealt with them on their level. And when they saw that, they didn't, you know, suddenly come to uh, the the God of Israel. They didn't come to uh, uh, Yahweh and say, okay, we're, we're serving you now. But they did do what he wanted them to do. Yeah which was give the ark back. And then the plagues came and all these, it, he dealt with them on their level. And unfortunately, if people have decided that they're going to worship in some way, form or fashion, uh, the wills of, of powerful men or powerful interest, then we have to be a powerful will, a powerful interest in their lives to demand that they actually do their job. Almost like we're supposed to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, right? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the ending of that story. After all that, after all the plagues and everything, after their 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 idol being prostrated before the ark, and they sent it away, and they're like, "Well, if it if it goes on directly, then uh, yeah, it was probably God. But if it 
if it goes by this other way, then yeah, it was just it was just a fluke. It was all just a fluke. <laughs> like they were willing to give themselves an out that Yahweh wasn't the the God of gods. <laughs> how how um, you know that it's it's the uni- the universal uh, disdain for commitment among human beings across time, you know, society. It, it, it's it's amazing, and you know it's 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 amazing. We, yep. we see it a lot in Western civilization when we talk about uh, in, in modern modern the modern West uh, when we talk about the relationship between men and women and and people. You know, basically, they're not wanting any kind of commitment, but really, it comes back to that uh, we're always trying to give ourselves that out, yeah. right? Because. Uh, yep. Once you commit, um, yeah, you're, you're you're in it for the long haul, or at yeah. least you should be. At yeah. least you should be. And um, you have to kill yourself in a matter of speaking. You have to put, even in marriage, right? Even in marriage, there is part of yourself that has to die. You're no longer, in, you know, I'll speak from uh, the husband's terms because that's what I know. There's part of yourself that must die in order for your marriage to be a very successful marriage. You can't just <laughs> run off to Colorado and go hunting and not tell your wife. That yeah. would not be good. When I was younger, I'd go off and run off and do things, and I might not tell anybody, and it was okay because I was on my own. You hear that, honey? A little piece of me died when I married you. <laughs> oh. Just kidding, honey. Well, I, I, I think that's why you... You know, if, if when men get married and they actually take it seriously, you generally see um, there's a big maturity. Oh, leap definitely. Because a lot of times that part that died, somehow we, you know, we cherished it until we got married and we had to kill it. And then we go, yeah, yeah that was really holding me back a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, those, those, those notions I, I had. When I was a child, I speak as a child. Yes. Yeah. Well. We're approaching the one hour mark. We're getting up there. We better wind it down. Yeah, we're, we're running off into a lot of rabbit trails now. So. I, ironically, we're now on nice roads here in Colorado, we're, at least for a minute. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do a, a wrap up podcast. Maybe we'll do another podcast post hunt and we'll just recap our punt, our hunt and what we uh, what we learned a little bit. Maybe some something that we were sharpened by during the hunt, something like that. So we'll see. Hopefully, I don't have to scrap this whole podcast for the audio quality. We'll see. So I'm going to save it before my battery dies on my laptop. Thanks for listening in, guys. Hopefully, there was something beneficial there, and ladies. And uh, until next time, make sure you continue to mind your liberty.